You're listening to the podcast for grain merchandisers by grain merchandisers. Join us in our good humored attempt to serve as a voice of reason in an industry fraught with misconceptions and half truths. And now, from deep in America's heartland, this is the Elevator's Cut. Welcome back to another episode of the Elevator's Cut. We're glad you're back. We're glad you downloaded. We're glad you're listening. And we're really glad that we have Jeff Reardon again in studio here in Kansas City. So I am one of your hosts, Jason Wheeler. And I'm the other host, Roger Gaddis. And you know, Jason, it seems like we just literally had Jeff on an episode. It was very recently. I will grant you that. But but Jeff's here. He's He's our banker. In chief of of both our uh, podcast ad- advisory team and at White Commercial, and we're we're pleased to have you. Thanks for coming, Jeff. I'm so grateful that you two allowed me to join. I have been a longtime listener. It's incredibly exciting for me to be here in the studio with you. On our last episode that we had you in studio for just recently, we discussed a lot of cool things about how how you've helped elevators and and how elevators should look at at financing and banking relationships and uh and a lot of cool stuff. So if you haven't listened to that one, definitely do. But this episode we're going to we're going to shift gears a little bit and we want to just hear some stories and we Roger and I even have stories because we've been around and we've seen the the fallout, but you'll have the insight on it of course. Uh going through Years like 2008, 2012, where we had big run-ups, it's always a shock to the system, uh, cash flow-wise, financially. So, so that's how we wanted to 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 structure this episode. I guess is let's hear some cool stories of what happened. That's that. It seems like when I talk to bankers or people about the grain business, and that the, they like to come back to 2008 and talk about how how crazy it was. So, if you could share with us a little bit about some of the things you saw and what what was the... You know, the board says war stories up there, so we're going to go with that. Share your war stories with us, please, Mr. Reardon. Well, so I started here in 08, and I tell you what, a lot of the industry was on edge. We talked about that a little bit, but it's true. They were on edge, and rightfully so, because the banks were meeting... I have stories of bankers and elevators meeting on the highway just to sign new loan documents so they could fund margin calls. You know, there was that kind of stress. There wasn't even the time to go back to the office. They had to meet in the middle of the road somewhere at a rest stop and and sign the documentation to get loans done. You know, hey, margin calls, you got to make them. No choice. So one of the stories I have, I guess it was in the beginning of July, one of our customers had a meeting with the bank. The bank came into him and said... You need to get out of your future positions. <laughs> now, we all know you can't do that. You can't, especially when the market's high, you cannot get out of your futures positions. But but what if what if the prices are, are going down? Right. Or up. It can go any way you want it to go. But in this case, in this case, middle or beginning of July, uh, hey, it was my 20th anniversary, July 2nd. All right, so it's a fantastic day for me. But for him, that's the day he put down on his board when the banker told him to get out of his futures positions. So if you look at what happened to the market after the beginning of July until harvest 
came, when harvest of 08 came, futures were down over three bucks. So clearly there would have been a $3 loss on every single one of those bushels if we got out of there. We can't listen to the panic. We just have to expect margin calls are going to occur, right? I mean, that's the bottom line. This is something we can clearly plan for. So let's do it. And if you look in the the grain flow worksheet that uh, that feeds into the cash flow worksheet, one of the tools we work with our customers that you help develop, it clearly has that in there. Hey, let's have a little what if scenario. What if we have a dollar rally in corn? What if we have a three dollar rally in beans? And that's great information to share with your lender. Hey, here's what we're looking at here. Are you comfortable with this? Right. Are you comfortable helping me with this many bushels? However many bushels you have in the elevator. They need to finance those until you're ready to sell them. We have to have that conversation. Yeah, I, I remember those years. I, I was I was younger in the business at that point. I started in 05 at White Commercial, and uh, and things were running up, and it was a very stressful time. And I remember some interesting conversations with bankers at that time, and you were starting up with us too. And uh, and and I remember one guy. You you were there, I'm sure. He said. He said, you know, if I understand hedging correctly, then as a bank, if I finance a hedger, then I'm just in it until $87 soybeans. And I don't care about ratios. I don't care about any of it. If I, if, if that's my position, that's what I have to do. And he said, he said, now that's how I feel strongly about that. I may not be sitting in this chair this time next year because of that, but that's how I feel. That's right. We were doing a banker meeting in Arkansas. I do remember that. What a statement. Powerful. He understood what business he was in. That same time, though, unfortunately, that was not the same sentiment of all bankers across across the grain belt. Uh, the same year, 08, I was still in southeast Kansas, and I remember it was Friday, June 13th, when we got the call liquidate and you know just for clarification's sake for those you listening that had been a big run-up we'd been forward contracting and forward contracting as a cultural phenomenon out in the country had been on the rise for years we've been building this good program of getting farmers to lock in profits ahead and these early rallies which are march and april back then is when you'd see rallies and and uh, anyway, so the markets kept rallying so we had these long future uh, long basis short futures positions on and um, and it got to that point where it was, you know, almost to where uh, the owner of the elevator kind of just wanted to go throw the keys on the desk of the bankers like, you can run this thing because if you leave us out, th- this is it, you know. And um, but, yeah, that was definitely a tough, a tough time. And uh, but I tell you what, um, we went through it and realized the value of money that I don't think you could realize any other way. And what I mean by the value of money is the value of protecting money, the value of having futures balance in your accounts. You know, if you're, if you're loaded up on a bunch of long basis corn, maybe try to get short to basis beans and vice versa using, using futures more efficiently, uh, using spreads efficiently, dealing with buyers who will let you exchange on sell six months ahead of time. You know, all these things that we probably wouldn't learn any other way. Would I wish to repeat that again? Uh, No way. But it, you know, there was some silver lining in it. And I think, as you said in an earlier episode, that the industry as a whole got better. The thing we're dealing with today, though, is that we have some people that weren't around in 08. They haven't seen this. 
That's right. And they haven't seen the margins fluctuations that we have. They haven't gone through the cycles that we've seen. But I do feel as you did, I'm, I'm a pretty optimistic person. And if we know that it can happen, then let's just get ready for it. It doesn't have to be a panic. Heck, there was a, a, a situation I was involved in with Milo. Roger, I can't remember the year, but there was a year when Mexico just wasn't taking our Milo. They said no. We were not interested. I can't remember even why. It didn't matter. But there was somebody that was carrying not only the old crop, but the new crop was coming to them as well. So in that situation, what do you do, right? You really have to work with the lender because there's nowhere to sell it. There was the, the Milo wasn't going to its normal market. I guess they could only feed so much of it. So here we are. We have a big situation. Uh, but once again, it's it's all about getting ready. We can learn from these things to where our new customers don't have to go through that anymore. And that's that's really the, the bottom line, right, is let's not do that again. It was nuts. You know, it was like every day it was limit move. And it's amazing how quickly you can get used and numb to those kind of market moves. It's just like, okay, and how numb you can get to six-digit-plus margin calls every day. And and I can remember later after all of the, the heat died down on it thinking, you know, if our little country elevator was running this kind of margins, what was – the big boys doing what kind of money just the, the the sheer amount of money that was being put up and you know if you look outside of the ag sector what else happened in 08 well the big old big old stinky stock market crash yeah for sure i remember that yeah you just add zeros to it if you want to know what the big companies were having to mm-hmm. deal with and i believe a guy that works for us he actually you know as luck would have it flew on a plane next to a guy with one of those big companies, you'd recognize her name if I said it. And and he, he said one day they had an $880 million margin call. <laughs> one day. So pretty incredible. I remember back in those times, markets flying up, huge margin calls for everybody every day. And I was <clears throat> here in Kansas City at the Board of Trade building. We had a, our office over there. It's no longer the Board of Trade building. But anyways, back then it was. And we just had an office upstairs and I, I remember looking out the window, wheat was $12 and everybody had forward contract. Cause back then, if you could sell four, four and a half dollar wheat, you'd done pretty good. And so a lot of people forward contracted their wheat for that. And so the elevator therefore had a short position. They had sold futures at $4 and now the market was 12, which meant they had put up over $8 in margin calls on this wheat that had not been harvested yet and the market's running up through the roof and i'm i remember looking out the window at these people on the country club plaza there in kansas city walking around with their shopping bags and i'm just thinking these people have no idea what's about to i i thought the the wheat is going to rot in the field because the elevators have already put up eight dollars they don't have the now another four dollars to buy it for they, they don't have it they're they're extended beyond all it, it was uh you know i just young and dumb i'm still still am but uh just less young now but but anyways i just it was so worried about our food uh, are we going to be able to to sustain this but it was uh what a what a crazy year but but like you said we had guys signing loan documents meeting their banker at the rest stop between them to sign new loan documents multiple times a week just to extend it because like roger said throw the keys on the desk the banks had no idea that this was even possible 
they didn't really understand the grain business at all because this elevator had always borrowed about this much, sometimes this much, and that's it. They didn't think about ratios and, and situations like this. And what happened is they had loaned more than the elevator was worth, our collateral that we talked about before. It, it they, were, they were partners in the business. They couldn't walk away. And that, that's what they say. Okay, well, this place is worth $2 million and I owe you $6 million and you're saying I have to lift my hedges? Here you go. Have the keys. Good luck with it, you know? And they're like, wait, wait a second here. So it was an uncomfortable position for, for banks, for sure. For everybody, it was it was great. But but here's the thing that I think, because Roger, right, it was the, the financial crisis and every other industry is having these terrible things. And banks are in a world of hurt. And what happened in the grain business is, and, and everyone listening knows, 98, 99% of people in agriculture have integrity. And what happened? They delivered on their contracts. People, er, people were made whole, and the, all the money got paid back. And as, as luck would have it, also the market finally fell too. Uh, that, that sure helped with all that. But, but what happened is everybody was good for their... And the ag banks, while every other bank is hemorrhaging money and the world's coming to an end, the ag banks got all their money back, made the interest. They made a fortune. They made more money than they'd ever made before. And when that was over, they said, how do we do this? This is great. We'll just do it again. <laughs> I mean, is, is yeah, that your... I, I would say I would have to say there were some leaders in the banking industry that really made this happen. They were calm. They... Uh, they knew how to go into the capital markets and get funds, and they supported all of the loan arrangements that they had with the other banks as well. And really, without them, uh, we could have had a challenge, right? Because they continually found money to fund the margin calls. Well, we've learned from that, right? So I'm going to keep going back to what we learned. Right. And that we're not in that situation today uh, where we had some leaders and I won't put a number on it, but we had leaders in the industry. Now we have more people that understand the story and they understand where the markets can go. Uh, to your point about forward contracts, this is, so take away from me, forward contracts, and I'll tell a story on forward contracts, but, but to take away from me is when, go, when we go in front of banks and they ask about, hey, forward contracts, that's, that's, a, that's a big risk. The customers that I go with, I'll say, all right, so tell me how many contracts have been reneged upon. I'm not talking about ones you had to roll because they uh, they didn't have a crop. I'm talking about people that actually walked away and you had to get the NGFA involved to help collect the money through arbitration. That number is so low, especially if you look at the number of bushels. So I'll say, hey, over the last 20 years, how many bushels have been affected by this? And it is 0. 0.0000 whatever, 1%. And it just shows how great the receivable is because of what you just said, the integrity in our industry. It's very high and it always has been, and I, I pray it always will be. Uh, but it, that's exactly what took us through. Yeah. Yeah, like you said, that the the folks, the the banks that stayed with it through it all, I mean, the farm credit system, the co-banks, and the, those people just – they they saved agriculture that year. I mean, it really because they they kept the funds and, and you know the the guy I talked about. Hey, rent it to eighty seven dollar beans and all, all that. You know that is uh, that is very under understated or underappreciated probably in the business of of uh, of the water those guys carried that year. Uh, it's crazy, but but like you said, we we got a lot smarter 
everybody, Roger talked about traders getting smarter. Um, I'm sure farmers got smarter and, uh, and the bankers got smarter understanding the business. And you, you've played a role, a, a role, a big role in that, Jeff, uh, of working with a lot of these banks, whether they're local community banks, whether they're the, the biggest banks you can think of and, and talking to their, their boardrooms. So you've done all that and, uh, and helped. So I think if 08 happened again today, we, one, we could weather it. Just we barely weathered it the first time. This time, I think, uh, not that it wouldn't be without pressure, right? I mean, that's a huge cash flow need. But but I think we would we would be a lot better prepared because by the time the problem happened in that in '08, it was it was already past all all the all the terribleness. You know, it was it was just too far gone at that point. And uh, but but I think we'd. We'd see it coming and we can manage it a lot better. Is it, I mean, do you feel that way? Oh, I definitely do. And, you know, as far as the, the elevator is concerned, it's, um, if you're out there listening to this and thinking, well, maybe this doesn't apply to me as much, um, I, I would challenge you to look at it in that when away it happened, we did have some um, elevators who took a hit on their market share. And what I mean by that was if they were already pinched going into the summer, that prohibited their ability to buy anything else if, if their farmers wanted to sell, but not just in that year. You had producers looking to sell 09 and 10 and whatever futures were on the board because everything was, was just outrageous numbers, you know, $6 corn for three years or what have you. So if you're in an issue, a potentially a, a multi-year rally like that, you need to be buying from your customer. You need to have a market outlet for them. We know how hard it is over the last couple of years to get grain bought. And the opportunities to get things bought at high prices come very rarely and not uh, don't tend to last very long. So if we get to another point where we have multi-year rallies like that, you've got to have the ability to take advantage of it to maintain your market share, but to also provide a service for your customers to let them take advantage of it. And you know what? If you're buying $5 corn out two years away, you probably or should probably have a very good buy basis attached to that. So it goes directly to your bottom line. So there's a, there's a lot to be said for, for con, you know, concerning yourself to some degree for, for preparation for the next time this happens. It, it will happen again. We're a day closer. Roger, you're right. And the answer isn't not to do forward contracts. Gosh, I heard that a lot during those time frames. And I'm thinking to myself, that's crazy. That's where the profit is made. You just said it. It's great for the local communities. We're bringing money, from, to use one of Dwayne Wilson's terms, we're bringing money from Chicago into our local communities by locking in high prices when they're available. And at the elevator, we get the low basis. So I know I'm preaching to the choir here on the elevator's cut. You guys do this all the time. But the answer is not to stop forward contracting. It's to manage that risk. And the best way you can manage it is by finding a bank that understands forward contract financing. They're out there. They want to help. This isn't 08, 06, 04. This is a time period where we don't treat our banker like a mushroom, right? And just, you know what we do to mushrooms. I don't know what to say. But we don't do that. What we do is we give them information to be better. And because of that, they're going to help you. You mean don't put them on a pizza? <laughs> I was thinking risotto. Okay. Very good. And while th- these items are, are very important for established grain businesses, and like you said earlier, Jeff, the folks that have been adding space and growing and expanding or, or, or M&As over the last few years, 
when we've had this somewhat stable price environment, it's just huge. If you've taken on all this risk and added space and capacity and things, you better have your ducks in a row for the next time this happens. So as important it is for those folks, it's just as important for folks getting into the grain business, whether it's a large farmer that decides to go commercial or someone just comes and buys an existing commercial. This is huge. I mean, I can't really think outside of like policies and and what you're going to allow to happen to your space, but anything that's more important than this, this financial relationship for someone just getting in the grain business, wouldn't you say? I absolutely agree. That's something that you have to have. You have to have it set up. Um, You have to be working with a professional that understands your business. Are they going to finance forward contracts originally when you first start your business? No, they're probably not going to do that unless you've got a lot of land up and a lot of assets and and you're the person that is going to get financing no matter where they go. But if you're just starting, you're probably running a little leaner. You're probably a little bit leveraged. So it may be hard to get the contracts going, but what we do is we help with the plan and we help talk to the banker and we help talk to the CPA because that's what we do. You know, you, to build a business, you have to start it with that foundation you're talking about. It all starts with capital. You got to have the capital. So, Jeff, again, it's been really cool having you in. But but uh, so for those folks listening to the to the podcast from wherever they are, from whatever segment of the industry and they have questions or, or need to learn a little bit more about about this side of things the financing side the uh, e- even some of the accounting issues and stuff is there a, a good thing you would recommend that they they do or something easy to to to, uh, to get into that I'm so glad you asked that question Jason we're working right now on a CFO summit that we're gonna offer in Jan- on January 15th in Jupiter Florida we're gonna have an all-day meeting and it's gonna take us from cradle to grave, right? We're going to start about uh, talking about basis trading. Then we're going to talk about a little bit about accounting, not accounting, you know, it's not accounting like you think. It's it's managerial accounting and how to, how to manage and predict your financial statements. Then we're going to move in to actual, we have banks there that are going to come and talk about financial ratios, stuff like that, but keep it in a term that we can deal with on a daily basis for our grain merchants. We're going to have management discussions after that, and we're even going to talk about fraud, which I don't want to get started on that with this, but we're going to have a fraud panel that's going to be just spectacular because that is hitting our industry. So we're going to do that all in Jupiter, Florida. It's a free event, uh, so I, I look forward to having many, many people there. It's going to be really looking forward to this. Excellent. That sounds awesome. Yeah, I mean, CFO services is a is a thing. Jeff Jeff says that that he does because a lot of small companies in, in in agriculture don't have the ability to have a a big upper management staff of of a CFO and stuff. So so this kind of stuff is still things you need in your business and you have to manage and and uh, th- those are a lot of very important topics. Uh, yeah, I'd encourage you. And you said it's free. It's free and it's for owners, uh, okay. for managers, for. Uh, CFOs, obviously. Uh, so yes, please. Excellent. So yeah, for sure. Come, come to that if you can, it's in Jupiter, Florida in January. So, so if, if that's your thing, I mean, if you like going to South Florida in, in January, I guess, you know, somebody's got to do it. And they can find more information on the site, maybe at whitecommercial.com. Yes. And you know what we'll do? We'll make sure that, uh, that we send, the flyer out to everybody and we'll, and we'll do however you communicate with all of your listeners we'll make sure that's available we'll just link it on here 
be good to go. Yeah, so definitely reach out to us for that, and we appreciate everybody listening. We appreciate Jeff for coming all this way and buying us lunch also today and and uh, and spending time with us to go through these these uh, these stories for sure. And yeah, definitely reach out to us at the Elevators Cut at Weevil Hog at Hog underscore Wheeler on Twitter, all that stuff that you know how to get a hold of us. Get a hold of us, and and uh, we'll definitely get you more info on, on that summit that he's talking about. And continue to like, subscribe, uh, leave reviews, tweet about us. You recommend Send us to your friends. donations if you feel so inclined. Yeah, you can sponsor an episode if you want. We'll, we'll look into it. Say your name in a loud voice. <laughs> Anything you want. Um, but that, that's it for the episode today. Uh, thanks again. And for Roger, I'm Jason. I'm Jason. I'm Roger. Thanks for listening to The Elevator's Cut. Oh,